No, not yet. That's for later. And we are back here once again with another episode of the Iron Man Podcast, episode 286 with Mr. Johnny Douglas. Once again, this is going to be his second appearance on the show. The last time he was actually on the show was, I think, episode 91. And I had that week of like, hey, I'm going to start off with him on Friday. And when we get to 100 on Monday, you know, we'll have a line of shows with banger guests. Because that, that was week you were on, Shubsidium was on. We had Robert Storms. Man, it was, a, it was a crazy week. And it's crazy. Your first time was on episode 91 because the time you're having a second appearance on episode 286. That's actually crazy. And a lot's <laughs> happened since then, too. You actually managed to get your book done. It is out there for people to actually buy. That even gave me, like, you know, more inspiration when seeing you and uh, Jim Wilborn having your books done to the point where, you know, later on this year, as I pointed out on Twitter, I want to try and, you know, get to working on writing out some of that story. That I've, that I've actually been wanting to do for quite some time. People think I don't even think about it. It's like, it's like no, it's just there's it's the same thing as I posted today about the ISOM number one book that I just read. So it's not that I, I don't have the luxury of time like people think. I, I, I just don't like have the abundance of time where it's like, man, I, I, I'm just on Twitter every day and I just literally do nothing but stalk other creators. No, 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 no. I actually have a life. I have to pay bills. I, I work every day. And then not only that, we do what? podcast seven days a week third basically year round at this point you know we do multiple shows a day there's also gaming streams too there's also pre-recorded content i need to get to as well everyone so sorry if i can't get to something in a timely fashion you know also we live in california california so if i gotta watch what i spend and i gotta watch how much money i actually make so you know but we, but you know to move on from that, John's book is out now. Make sure to buy uh, the Black Monkey. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I asked this man, what is his his pair character's preferred pronouns? And he told me that his character preferred pronouns is just Orc. Yes, Orc. It's a single pronoun. It's uh, that's all they are, and that's all they need to be. Orcs are Orcs are like me. They're simple. They're, they're simple beings, and I'm a simple man. So, you know, keep it simple, oh. stupid. And for anyone who wants to uh, subscribe to me on YouTube, YouTube channel name is Master Swaggy. We're making a push to hit like 900 subs this year. But, you know, as people know, I like to putting on content. And if it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But if you want to go and do that, I thank you. If you do happen to give me a sub toward the end of the show. So let's start here because there's a lot of stuff that ended up happening. As you guys know, for these shows, it's like, they're like my kids. I like to let them go out and be on the, out in the life, in, in the world for a little bit. And then when they come back for their second, third appearances, they're like, hey, dad, over a cold beer, first time. Okay, let's let's talk about it. So let's start here. Because there was a tweet that you actually threw out a long time ago, it was last year, where you, one of your kids is going to be turning like 18, 17, whatever. And obviously you want them to be able to drive because you don't want to drive. You can't just drive them around whenever they want to, right? So you mentioned the fact that you, when you try to put them on your insurance, it they added like an extra, what, $300 to it just to oh, add in an extra person? It, I live in one of the states where the uh, the the, un, the insurance, the, the auto insurance is, we are literally the highest in the nation where I live at because that's how many uninsured drivers we have uh, on the roads. You know, the people just don't care. And, you know, we looked at it and I was, look, I was driving when I was 16 years old and I, uh, you know, my dad got me this shit box, uh, old eighties Chevy box body pickup truck. And, uh, man, I love that thing. I've, I've got such an affinity for those. 
And I didn't realize how much being able to drive would really mean to me until I was able to, oh, I can go here when I want. I can go there when I want. And I just, you know, I reveled in that freedom. And, you know, at the time, my dad did pay my insurance. Yeah. He's a hard worker. But I was also kind of going to school. I was wanting to extend that exact same, uh, you know, deal to my son. And, like, I, I've got it. You know, I've, I'm, not, I'm doing okay. You know, I've got my head above water. Mm -hmm. But man, that just pushed my insurance rates to uh, unaffordable levels. I literally just yes. cannot afford it, and mm -hmm. I was like, "I'm sorry, son. There's this no way around." Don't understand, it. man, because we because this. I mean, I don't have a car, but I people tell me my friends' families have cars. They tell me all this stuff. So basically, guys, since people have had so many crashes and there's been so many traffic and accidents in so many years, basically, insurance charges you a huge premium. To just have their insurance right because they want to make sure that you're an insured driver you don't have any car crashes or anything like that and then if you're a new driver since it's more likely newer drivers will have an accident more than older ones like yourself they hike up the price to add them to your insurance and then later i, I think I, for, I forgot the rule every company's different make five ten years then it goes down to a like a you would say affordable level right but that's ridiculous it's it's insane. So you so you basically get fucked over in a way of like, hey, I'm gonna charge you an extra three hundred dollars for this insurance, even though insurance is basically a scam anyway. Only to eventually, maybe five to ten years down the line, be like, you know, now I'll just charge you the rate I was gonna initially charge you. Go fuck yourself. What the fuck? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's and there's not now. I have no recourse. I'm not in a spot in life where I can go grab a shitbox uh, vehicle and and put it under his feet <laughs> right? and you know say, go ahead, son. You know. Uh, go nuts, go wild, go wherever you want to go. It's like, but he's he's fine. He understands that. You know, he's fixing to start going to school. Uh, I think I'm in a, a a much more unique position where I'm at in life than uh, uh, some other some other kids are about his age are. Because you know, I, I I can help him avoid a lot of the pitfalls that I had when I was growing up and not picking the right school and. Just not having a really good, clear vision of what to do. You know, we can help guide him in that. And I understand more than some other people, my parents my age uh, do, especially the the boomers, that this is not the same world that we were raised to live in at all. And I was, and my father, bless his heart, he he gave me a lot of good, uh, solid uh, workplace advice, and he instilled in me a great work ethic. But this is not the same workforce he grew up in. This is not the same workforce he taught me mm -hmm. to excel in. Uh, and it is an interesting, um, it is an interesting conundrum, uh, a maze that I'm trying to help him uh, go around. But specifically with like, hey, I don't mind if you live here, son. You know, I'm gonna let him uh, live in our house, and you know, maybe see about getting a little. Well, well <laughs> no. It, well, right now he's about to start in school, and I want him to focus on that school more than anything. That needs to be his absolute. He's in high school, you said, right? He's about to graduate. No, he's, done. he's done. He's done. He's okay. He, he got his uh, equivalency in uh, November. He's going to get his uh, graduation, and he's going to start uh, going to school for drafting. So we're real proud of him. He's tested pretty good at that, and um, when he gets done with that, uh, the, the big thing was I went to tech school twice for mm. jobs that did not pan out. And it was a very, very you're, frustrating you're nursing. experience. You work in nursing homes. I am now. That yeah. panned out. Yeah. But I had to I had to flounder a little in, in other a couple of other fields, uh, including one. When I went at his age, I went to school for what's called industrial instrumentation, being an mm. instrument tech. 
and it's a good job and there are jobs available, but they're very rare to actually catch. The guys who get those jobs, they work for a plant. Good high paying jobs, but they sit on it. They sit on that job until it's time, until their retirement. And then they've usually got a cousin or a nephew lined up to take their place. And that's probably one of the most important lessons in life I had to learn the hard way. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And that, and I yeah. didn't know anybody. I did pretty good for a few years as an electrical yeah. worker, but. Well, you were the guy that, fixing the power lines? Like those giant. No, those, no, no, oh, no. Okay. I, I did electrical work. I was not, <clears throat> I was not uh, doing the power. Line. I really never wanted to fool with, uh, I never wanted to fool with the high voltage stuff because that stuff, that, that shit can be really dangerous. Oh yeah. And, uh, yes. I, not dang. I probably could if I wanted to, but I really don't want to. I've got other choices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, electric. Anyone, and listen, I don't electrical work. You get bit. I mean, believe me, I can tell stories. For anyone I, in the chat that's watching Jeff. Uh, hello, Jeff. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Brian. Hello, Alois. First I'm sorry. Arizona sucks Alois, except Arizona T's. Those crazy men, Arizona teas don't ever go up in price. Some shit's always a dollar or nine. Just saying. Arizona teas is always reasonably priced. Is, is it pure IP press? Uh, Periopsis press. That's Kate. Periopsis press. Oh, she does the Iron Age reviews. She yeah, does yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark, Lawrence, what's up, buddy? How you doing, man? And then that's you. And that's uh, Monkey. What's up, man? I was um, – I think I got unsubscribed from the channel for some reason. I was looking for the live stream. Yeah, that happens. Of uh, YouTube deems certain live streams that you do not a lot of replay value to them. They unsubscribe people. It's, it doesn't happen as bad as what it used to happen on YouTube. It was bad back in the day, but it still somewhat happens now. What's up, Pritchard? How you doing, man? Dempsey and what else? Is, yeah, that's a lesson of networking. So I, I know a yes. lot of people had problems with um the DEI and like hiring just based off race or, or anything like that. But the problem here, dude, is that people in our real lives do that and we could be the same race as that person. So like, let's say I'm black and I got a black friend who's like a manager at, at another job. I could probably get that job. Not even off, basically, even if I'm good, I just know the guy, you know? Yeah. Cause I know the DEI problems are a thing with the whole like hiring just based off race, but people do that in their real lives too. You know, like people are, are quick to like point the finger, but in their real lives, I imagine a lot of people got jobs because their mom knew the fucking owner when she was raising them and he felt bad. So he wanted to give the son a job to help mom out. Oh my, uh, it's so much nepotism, dude. I can't help it. I hate it. No, I have a unique perspective on this because I have worked yeah. a lot of jobs. I've worked industrial, I've worked retail, mm -hmm. construction, electrical, manufacturing, uh, medical. Here's the thing that uh, I've come to understand about most of most people, even if they get on a job on a qualification, uh, whether they're qualified for it or not, most people have to be malleable enough to actually, you know, understand that the job's going to train you to do the job the way they want you to. Right. And you have to be malleable enough to go with that flow and do the job the way they want you to do it. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. It's easy for me, but some people just don't get caught in that. And, I find that the even somebody who is uniquely qualified for a job can end up absolutely uh, sucking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Best. And so to me, it's uh, does the person being hired for this job, whether they're qualified or not, do they uh, do they have the work ethic and the drive to learn how to do the job and uh, apply what they've learned? And um, I've, I've been at jobs that you don't really need to know that much as long as you're smart enough to catch on to how you're uh, when you're training. Best example, I worked at a 
manufacturing plant where we built fire trucks. That was actually a really Ooh, cool job. Wow. Had some bad bosses, but that's a different discussion. Imagine that paid day. like imagine that paid good <clears> money. <throat> Has to have. Uh, it was not bad for uh, what I was making at the time. Okay. And um, we had this guy come on, and he on paper. He had all the qualifications in the world. This guy had been an electrician for 30 years. He wired mostly buildings. So he knew like, uh, you know, electric, uh, the electrical field has codes. Like you can only have to, to outline and keep things safe. And he knew the codes and he knew all this stuff and he could not gel with the job. He kept griping about, well, you can't do this on a, uh, you can't do this. It's not up to code. It doesn't allow these wires to go in this junction box and all this other crap. He knew all these rules that didn't apply because a fire truck is not a building. Therefore, a building code doesn't apply. And for some reason, this guy who had been doing the one job for 30 years could not move over to this different aspect hmm. of it and apply what he knew in a new way. He couldn't he couldn't break free from uh, that mold that he'd been in. And that was a perfect example of, uh, you know, some you uh, the right person for the right job, the wrong person for the uh, wrong job. It, it just differs. Meanwhile, the guy that trained me, hmm. this dude was a walking cartoon character. His nickname was Squirrel. Mm -hmm. And he had he was a skinny little Alabama dude. He had big bug eyes that went in the opposite mm -hmm. directions. He had gnarled, nasty teeth that looked like a, a, a mouthful of, of keys. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when he talked to you, he talked to you just like this right here. I'm telling <laughs> I swear to God, I thought the first time he talked to me, I thought he was retarded. <laughs> and he wasn't. He just talked that way. He knew what he was doing. The guy had no formal training, high school dropout, but he knew the job. He knew how to do it, and uh, he was a damn good worker. He just ended up quitting because he hated the fact that uh, our crunch time in that particular field in, uh, intersected with his uh, hunting time, and he didn't want to <laughs> sacrifice that. Then bullshit, man, I'm going hunting. That's exactly what he said, and quit and walked out. Because <laughs> a, a lot of that kind of just stems from, like, like <clears throat> let's say you owned a, a business of some sort, and, like, your wife had her own separate job somewhere else, but she got fired from that job. And she was like, honey, can I work for you? Or you choose another random guy who's qualified. It's like, well, who do you choose at that point? You know, it, it's much different when you're in the situation versus like thinking about it, you know, idealistically, because idealistically, yeah, you should really only hire someone based off like their actual merit. Like, are they legit qualified to do this? But as humans, we're like, we have emotions, we have like, you know, other things going on in our brains to the point, you know, where it's like, things can be kind of muddied. I think people usually forget that too, because remember on, on Twitter, Elon Musk was like, uh, hey, because Mark Cuban was found some nonsense, even though he's completely filthy rich and he's not an idiot. When does for, he not? Yeah, it's crazy how someone that rich is kind of that stupid for the most part, even though... He's like the Out smartest person ever on Shark Tank. It's what, weird, right? When, when you're when you're that far above the fray, you kind of get out of touch with what you know actual regular working class people think and feel. Uh, yeah. Especially when you don't have to live uh, paycheck to paycheck, isn't that right, Mark? It must be nice to own a uh, you know a basketball team and just say I don't feel like going to work today mm -hmm. or something. You know, must be nice. That, like that's what people seem to not. See as well. This happened. Like, people always use the sports example. Like, okay, so if if DEI and like nepotism hiring is a thing, okay, well, if you're hiring just based off merit, most people most people hire big giant black guys or tall lanky black guys to shoot basketballs and throw footballs. With black people generally pretty much dominate NBA and NFL, two of the most highest watched sports ever. Even baseball is a mixture. Soccer is obviously a mixture too. But like NBA and NFL, just just use those examples, right? Well. 
no one complains about just having qualified black people to do the job there. So, hey, yeah, throw in some short white guys. I'm pretty sure that will make your team go zero and 40 or something. You know, see, if they could just figure out a way to clone <laughs> Larry Bird, I think it'd be great. Oh, God. That would be fantastic. These I people love will, like, dude, don't you know what's crazy, dude? These people will literally, in their, like, actions, show they're not even like what they're preaching. But then what they're preaching doesn't match with their actions. I I just, from for the life of me, can't wrap my brain around that. I was like, Mark, please, you yourself don't even live by the stuff you're saying. You're a complete idiot. You're not stupid. I, I, I hate when people who aren't stupid act stupid. That's my biggest pet peeve. It's like, I know you're not this dumb. You, you can't. He could not have got as far as he did being stupid. That, that That's just not how that works. I, I think Mike Abednego has a, a, a good point there. Mark Cuban is woefully ignorant. I, I think there's a lot of, of them when in corporations. They understand our point of view. It's that they're willfully ignoring it because now it's part of – it's being ingrained in the corporate structure. I think I saw a – news article not that long ago uh, just either yesterday or the day before that was basically stating uh they're going okay dei is now like the the, the label of it is toxic and it's drawing negative attention what they're going to end up doing is rebranding it and you'll notice this uh this is something with uh leftists especially is they will uh push something until it is resoundingly mocked or made fun of, or becomes uh, basically a, you know, uh, has a negative, too much of a negative connotation with the name. And then they'll rebrand it. Notice they did this uh, with their own ideology. It's, uh, you know, socialism and commun communism is, you know, been a, a word for a long time that everyone associates with that ideology. So they mm -hmm. rebrand it socialism, they rebrand it to progressivism, uh, they rebrand it to other names. Best example is climate change. First, it was climate change, but then the climate, uh, it was global warming. Yeah, but global then, warming you know, yeah. we kept going through cold winters. So, you know, the label didn't really stick. And then it was climate change. And now I think it's climate crisis. And they keep having to change the names, the name for the same thing because, uh, you know, people catch on and they start, mm -hmm. you know, they start attaching the negative connotations to it. This is why labels uh, or at least labels popular enough to get detractors end up having to change over time so, uh, to something else to uh, so the old label can go away or get kind of cast off like a lizard running uh, from a bird and it casts off its tail. So the yeah. bird pays attention to the tail while the lizard gets away. Oh yeah. I forgot. We forgot. NFL does have a lot of big old tall linebacker white guys. Mm -hmm. They even, they even hit you once with their shoulder. Your arms mm -hmm. probably getting broken, but it's just super weird how people will, uh, like, they'll say what their allies want them to say, but absolutely none of their actions show it. That's how you know you're just – that's how you know these people don't even believe half the stuff they're saying anymore, dude. They're just saying it just so that they don't get looked like they're the bad guy or whatever. Or like they want to look like they're inclusive. It's so cringe. Do you remember that Boston mayor who's, who, like, didn't want, like, white people at her party or whatever? And then she was married to a white guy. She had three white Asian kids, actually. And it's like – I, you have the question to yourself. There's also a mayor guys with pronouns in her bio too, which is really cringe. A mayor with pronouns in her bio is exceptionally cringe. You have to think to yourself, does she actually even believe half this stuff or is she just going along with it because of like, you know, endorsements? I think a lot of it's lip service. Uh, yeah. They, it's a lip service for their, for their base mm -hmm. uh, because they, they know how to, uh, and, and don't get me wrong. There's uh, people in prominent positions in Republican party too. They understand the people in up top, understand that they have to pay lip service to the people that vote them in the office and 
they try to navigate that particular minefield. And a lot of times they just end up stepping on a mine and end up getting egg on their face. But, you know, I can't help but notice I there's been a lot of really prominent examples over the last several years of somebody making uh, like some kind of really racist remark or something. And they come to find out like they're in a mixed race relationship. Like, yeah, they're lying. They're, they're completely <laughs> faking it. They like, don't believe the stuff AOC that they're being told. Yeah, AOC trashes on white people, and you'll find that she's got like a ginger boyfriend, like <laughs> celebrities, streamers. Tom like, Taylor too. Tom Taylor, who will do like the whole gay whatever stuff, married to a white woman, has white kid. Like th these people are faking, dude. They're they're literally just a corporate mouthpiece. They're like, hey, I will be a part of whatever this human centipede is for you guys. I'll just pick where I'm gonna be a part of it. Th th these guys are faking it. I swear when they're out of the industry, like Don Lemon is going to probably start going ham, even though he was the leader. He was on CNN for a while. When they're not a part of it and they get how much money they do, they, they think they're going to get out of this stuff, they'll start going ham. There's no way I believe that Mary believes half the stuff she's saying. There's no way I believe half the stuff Tom Taylor is saying. There's no way. There's, there's not, there's not well, possible. You got to remember, this is a page straight out of the communist handbook. Mm -hmm. that, that, is, uh, that is part of the leftist communist strategies is – accuse your uh, opponent of what you are guilty mm -hmm. of you know and they know it's yeah. part of their strategy it's it's a projection of their own uh insecurities their own failures their own biases onto their enemies and they, they do it so much and a lot of us on uh you know a lot of us tend to forget that um that's why it seems so hypocritical but you gotta also remember you can't shame the shameless and i don't care who you're married to or what uh, what color they are but like if you're going to end up paying lip service to uh, at least to that kind of thing, at least stand by your beliefs. Have you noticed I mean, that with liberals, dude, where like uh, like white, weird communistic white liberals will be talking about all this like black people. I love black people. I, I, they live in a neighborhood where there's not a black family even in the neighborhood. They're talking about like gang violence and even they themselves have said they never even have been in parts of cities or lived in parts of cities where they, that's even been a thing. It's like. What is going on? My brain can't yeah, handle this stuff. These are people that their only exposure to anyone of a darker melanin color is to call them the help. Or they call like, them the porch. Um, well, porch. <laughs> you can say that. I can't. <laughs> or or like they'll be like, yeah, I, I've seen black people do crime. I've seen juice. Like, like you're like, what? <laughs> I think we've come through to a really good point in history where you, remember once upon a time, like a mixed race uh, marriage was very taboo. And yeah. mm -hmm. these days, it really is blasé. These uh, this day and age, I'll give you a follow up to a, an interesting story. You probably saw it went viral national years and mm -hmm. years ago, and it was about a justice of the peace in Louisiana refused to marry a mixed race couple. You remember hearing about that? Ooh, I, and he got, I, vaguely, he got I know of, what you're talking about. He got he got booted. I think he got booted out of his position, but. I want you to understand. So there's a little bit of context to that story that mm -hmm. y'all didn't know because I live within less than five miles of where that guy actually uh, served out of his whatever, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know what, what the justice of the peace serves out of a court, I guess. The community this guy is in is known as Hammond. Hammond is like one of the biggest hotspots for mixed relationships in the state. Like, if you go to the Walmart there, like we used to when I lived near that area, bruh, it's a white, it's a black guy and a white girl everywhere with mixed race. Well, you know, they got, uh, 
they got mixed kids, mm-hmm. most of them. You and for him to sit there and make that decision in that area is like pants on head retarded. It was uh, the fact that it went viral. I, I was like, God, this. What was he thinking? Does he not oh, know where he lives? The immigrant situation is so bad. Yeah. It's it's terrible, honestly. Like you have people, you have like in Massachusetts, I think, where it's like bad in like that area of New York. The one of the mayors or the higher officials, a politician, would be like, adopt a immigrant family. Adopt you random pay me people. money to adopt these people. Adopt mm-hmm. random people I don't know where they could basically slit mm-hmm. my throat when I'm sleeping. Yeah, how about no? It's, like what? Uh, they're they're tr- they're trying to cope because they they were all good about this is another classic example of their virtue signaling backfiring on them they were all about we are <laughs> sanctuary cities and then texas said bet and they started shipping them by the bus load and then like whoa 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 wait a minute wait no and, and of course now a lot of a lot of them are they fucked around and now they're finding out and but they don't want to uh the mayors of these big cities don't want to have the empathy to understand that, mm-hmm. hey, you're dealing with maybe a few tens of thousands of them. There's there's millions down in Texas now. And they're what uh, Sticks Hexenhammer calls nimbius, not in my backyard. And they're, they're okay with uh, giving their opinion on topics, on issues, as long as it's not in their backyard. Yes, windmills. Windmills are wonderful things and green energy and all of that, but not in my backyard. As soon as they're in their backyard, they realize how ugly they are. They don't want to see them, and they vote against uh, the very thing that they were uh it's, it's crazy that the mayor is sitting there being some mouthpiece. I swear the East Coast I, – I, I have plenty of friends on the East Coast to be constant with. East Coast politicians are literally – people say the Californians are idiots. Have you seen the mayor of Chicago? That guy is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I guys retard. What? I try not to think about Chicago, but you got to remember a lot of the, all the problems that a lot of these big urban centers have are self-inflicted wounds. With uh, you're never going to get things to get better the way the the populace wants until they start actually making these politicians accountable for their actions. When the decisions that these politicians make actually starts to become detrimental to their political career, you're not going to see a course correction. So what I end up seeing on the news or what little I bother watching, uh, mm-hmm. my wife watches a lot more news than I do. God bless uh, her is, How does she do it? How's her brain well, not, not, not the actual news, the, you know, mm-hmm. not the real news. She watches actual news, which is YouTubers that cover, you know, news okay. events and stuff like that. She does not watch the, uh, she doesn't, we don't watch the mainstream. I don't even have network TV. I don't have cable, nothing. I haven't had cable in like, man, 10, yeah. 10 some odd year, 15 years at this point. Cause I'd rather just get my news from, I don't know, checking it myself because you know, these people will just straight up lie to you. Like they'll blatantly flat out lie. So like, I can't say these things on YouTube, but there was a situation involving a Decepticon trying to be an Autobot. Okay. And MSNBC was like, we're doing some investigation. So allegedly this happened. We're like, this didn't allegedly happen. This we know this happened right now. There is no allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. you're kind of like making the claim that it is happening. It's like no, no, no. bought and paid for actual shill corporations. These people are terrible. The fact that Tucker Carlson can get more views on his segments than CNN and MSNBC and uh, the KKL Nine Network or ABC is crazy. That means people go like, you know what? I'd rather trust some rando guy on Twitter telling me what's going on. Versus what corporate establishment people would be able to tell me. It's ridiculous, man. 
It's absolutely okay. nonsense at this point. The politicians are bad, but you know who I think is worse? The celebrities, because they're so out of touch. And uh, it is, it, I really have never liked this, the element of celebrity worship. I think it's a very vapid thing. And a lot of their, uh, <laughs> you got to remember a lot of these celebrities, like they have PR firms and they have, they, they hire bot farms to put their uh, name in the mm -hmm. news constantly. Uh, but when you get right down to it, a lot of these celebrities are, are not just, they're, they're worse than they, uh, they, they try to claim out to be. Why am I getting a voicemail? Who is that? I'm um, sorry. Uh, Might be my dad. You, you know, um, but some, sometimes it's nice that the universe comes right back around and slaps its dong in their face. And humbles them greatly. Do you know what I was laughing? I was laughing about this morning. So, I think a lot of people, if you haven't watched, you've probably at least just heard of Mia Khalifa, right? Oh Lord, yeah. Did you see? Did you see? You saw She's, what she did when she speaks. Okay. I, I just—it's a train wreck. Yeah. I love watching it. I love it. Oh. Yeah. The universe humbled her today in the most epic way possible. I'm glad you're sitting down because you're going to want to see this. I take it you mm -hmm. have not seen this. Okay. Yesterday, she kind of got a little uh, viral because a, a Jewish mom was running around, uh, chased her out of a, a mall or something, and she was filming it. She told the mom that her breath stunk. You know what she got caught doing today? On camera, walking mm -hmm. her dog, and her dog took a crap, and she lives in one of those nice upscale uh, neighborhoods where you can't like leave the turd laying there. She took her mask off, picked the turd up with her mask, put it in a trash can, and then put her mask back on her face. Go look it up. Uh, it God. made news. Oh, the, the recent one. I don't know if I can say, 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 say <laughs> I don't know if I can say these words either. But uh, the uh, Israel-Palestine, we'll say conflict. Yeah, she's she had her nose pro, all up in that nonsense. She was pro-Israel, and people didn't like that. And she was like, oh, she got roasted for that, actually. It was like, you're a no, traitor! No, you're no, all Mia this! Was, Mia's Arabic. She was pro-Palestine. Right, sorry, sorry. Yes. That was where, yeah. that, that, was where that, that conflict with the Jewish mom yesterday uh, mm -hmm. came from. And then, mm -hmm. now how's she going to call that uh, that woman uh, has bad breath when she's literally putting a mask on her face she's that literally she literally to pick up shit. dog turd? God... <laughs> Dude, I'm not trying to be one of those guys, but women are kind of – some women are just blatantly stupid. Uh, California. Let's say California. California. Yeah, California women are, like, dumb. That makes no sense. Like That, that is a whole other world out there. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Gavin Newsom can clean up the entirety of, of San Francisco. Clean it up for about a couple days, actually, which goes to show you that these people have more power than we thought they did. Actually, because yeah. we, we always think they have more was, power than what we do, and you I was see that, about that right? the other day. Yeah, like um, in San Francisco is a, one of the biggest cities in the world. California has like what two of the biggest cities in the whole entire like United States, right? He can literally go and clean up one of the biggest cities in less than twenty, in less than forty eight hours. So, so hold on, why? If you could do this, why were you doing this before? You could take homeless yeah. people and ship them out and get out of get these drug addicts out of here. Well, you could have done this all this time, but you didn't do it. That's think back, think back to dude. the Chaz. Think mm -hmm. back to the Chaz in Oregon. Remember that uh, autonomous zone they put up? Mm -hmm. And when the government, local government finally had enough of them, they cleaned them out in an hour. You have to understand, a lot of the problems that we have, they can fix. They have the power to fix. They have the power to mm -hmm. fix a lot of the problems that uh, we complain about. They are willfully not doing it. 
That, that just blew that my to mind me is evil. Right there. That, to, yeah. that to me is genuinely evil. That completely blew my mind to the point where, like, we because we always kind of speculate if these guys can really do it. Because you know, there's a lot of like actual like regulation and stipulations to things. But we got to factor in when you're a mayor or you're mm. a governor, you have power above most everything. You could literally at one point do whatever that you kind of want to do as long as it's you know agreed to by well, a council that, of people. Well, the. Uh, the 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 regulation power and all that garbage that only comes up when the opposition actually wants to try and throw a monkey wrench into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at uh, look at the Democrats when Trump was in office, they impeached him twice, and they did it within like a several days. Did you see the recent one where he's in New York, the civil trial? The mayor wouldn't even let him talk. Like, what are we mm, doing? Yeah, here, but man? they're they're. Just- that's a that's a kangaroo trial right there. But but <laughs> look, the Republicans have the control of the House, and they've been they've been twiddling their thumbs on an uh, impeachment of Biden that they promised for like two uh, I think uh, two speakers ago. Mm-hmm. So you know it just goes to show they they'll drag their heels when they want to, and they'll actually get things done when they want to. And that's uh, again until you hold the people uh, you vote for accountable, they will not act accordingly to your wishes. All right, and the next thing we'll move on to is uh, the Black Crown. So you finally did get it done. Your book is done. Because I remember a drink of the crazy. He was all like, John's not getting this done. He'll get his <laughs> book done when my dad comes in my life, you know? Book's finally done. And so yeah. I want to ask you this. Let's kind of break this down. So when the book was finally you done. you want me to get we, a copy to show off on the stream or? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, I got one up here. It's wrapped up. I have to unwrap it. I'll rewrap it later. Whatever. Whoop, there we go. This was for some. So I, actually, I have review copies that I mail out, but uh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll rewrap this later. So when you actually were able to get the book in your hands and see it finally done, what was your feeling actually? Uh, you know, I had been wanting to be a novel writer for since I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I don't know whose copy that is. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to be a, a, a novel writer since I was a teenager. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a lot of life that got in the way between, you know, that point and this point. So it, it took a little while before I finally uh, wrote a book. I felt confident enough to publish. Uh, it did feel a little surreal. Um, like you almost can't believe it's a thing, right? Like you, you it's actually yeah. done. Yeah. It's yeah, almost like it when, when your kid is born, you're like, wait a minute. It's actually a thing. Holy fuck. Oh, that, that, that was a lot more impactful. Like I was holding this little <laughs> screen thing. And I was like, wow, I am a dad now. Like this dude's real. I gotta, I gotta take I gotta care, care of this thing. thing. I can't uh, be a black guy and just run away. You know? <laughs> no. Uh, no man, I got a credit score to take care of. <laughs> no, I love I love my kid. I love being a dad too. It's one of the best uh, feelings in the world. And uh, I wish I, I really get uh, triggered on Twitter. I ain't gonna lie. When the anti-natalists start, uh, oh yeah, you know. in. yeah. And uh, I brag about all the things me and my kids do. We were actually playing uh, Shredder's Revenge. All four plays. I'm living the dream. I have three kids, and I can have a full set of Ninja Turtles on a Ninja Turtles arcade game. Me and my homies playing stomping down shredder on a video game this is great i love it that's all if you like playing video games that's one of the best parts about uh having kids is you always have a player two player three to play with you when you feel like playing something and you need some uh friends to play with you that's a great thing but anyway (laughs) the book yeah this uh this was uh, great to get out there i was very very humbled and uh appreciative of all the support uh because i really started uh I took a lot of the inspiration from Eric July Mm -hmm. and Hey, Hale. 
Eric July and John De La Rose and what they were doing uh, with as far as building up a readership on their YouTube channel. And I took some of Gary from Neurotics Advice of, you know, just get a camera, get your uh, get a microphone, start mm -hmm. talking, start building yourself as the face of your own brand. And that strategy ended up paying off. I by the end of 2023, I had sold I put a post up that went damn near viral. Uh, in yeah. my little section of <laughs> like, crazy. I was like, this is cool. I sold 245 uh, copies <laughs> and I'm not going to name names, but I had some indie authors behind the scenes and said, what the fuck did you do? How did you get those sales? I'm like, what? Cause some of them were telling me they didn't get like, uh, some of them had sales like under a hundred after one year. And I'm like, I know some that have had uh, have un under like 10. Honestly, it could be, you know, low as that. Yeah, and it's kind of tapered off now. I had a Christmas Day sale. That, that was my biggest sales push. I put it was it the audio book cents. Yeah, uh, yeah. I made it 99 cents for uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Sold 45 mm -hmm. copies just that day, those two days alone. That was uh, pretty good. It's going to taper off now but because I understand uh, your readership is only so big. And inevitably, you kind of run out of people to, uh, you know, kind of uh, sell it to. And just keep it at the forefront of your uh, Twitter posting. But this, uh, I was heartened by all this. So now I've got to get book, you know, book two out. The That's going to, uh, that's, that's going to be a, a big one. One I've been wanting to write for a long time. So that's what I wanted to ask you. Cause I, 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 I think I talked to you before on your first show and you said, you're not really a sports guy, but I'm pretty sure you would, I'm pretty sure you kind of follow this where like, um, you know, a sports team won a championship for the first time ever. And you're like, Oh, I finally did it. I want to do another one. You have that kind, <laughs> yeah. you have that kind of feeling. Now you did it. You already did it. Now you have it done. Now, now you kind of want to get that second ring in there. Actually, yeah. But, yeah. So that's... what are you going to do differently now with your second book than you do with your first one? Then, well, the second book, uh, folks, got to understand, it's not going to be the sequel to the background. The background's going to have a sequel, uh, inevitably, but mm. it's not going to be the next book. I always had the plan for a two-book entry point into the Age of Adventures setting. That the book takes place in and the next one is going to be a little more simple i think the book's been out long my uh black crown's been out long enough now that i can kind of say there are some twists and turns in the narrative at the back of the book that a lot of the people uh, people who read it didn't see coming and uh from what i understand from a lot of them it was like it worked really well i had blaine lee pardo who's been an author for 30 years say uh, say the things that i pulled off in the book are the mark of a really good writer in fact a great one I'm like to be called a great writer a great author yeah. by a guy that tenured in writing was uh, a real feather in my cap and so i just need to keep that level of excellence going so the second book will be a much more straightforward affair it is going to be uh, a little cape shit in your fantasy it's a superhero <laughs> story set in an Egyptian uh, aesthetic fantasy setting uh, in All a right. desert kingdom. And it's about a, a guy named Arthemis who uh, has the worst day in his life. He, uh, uh, he gets stabbed. And this is not really spoiling much because this is literally the first chapter. He gets stabbed in the back by his best friend after trying to save his friend's life. Mm -hmm. And he is uh, resurrected by this, by this character known as the Walker of Worlds, this cosmic being, and instills in him this power to become a paragon of justice. He be uh, becomes a Superman archetype. Uh, but the the course over the course of the uh, book comes to find out that the way he got his powers actually ends up making him an enemy of the state that technically qualifies him as a warlock. So he's like trying to be this paragon of justice, but he's also an enemy of the state. 
He's uh, an enemy from the Arcane Order, an enemy of the Emperor that he's uh, previously served, who we found out is a necromancer. Again, not spoilers. All for, uh, I, I took a lot of cues from classic comic books about putting the biggest part of the origin story right up front so that I can get to, you know, the themes, the characters, the, the big moments and the big fights later on in the book. Oh, Micaiah had... He said same universe as Black Crown, yes. though, right? This okay. this is the same uh the same world as the Black Crown. It's on Allspire, uh the continent of Evergrad. This uh will be uh, in the desert empire called Nornrath, the Empire of the Severed Sands, which is mentioned a couple times in the Black Crown. But you don't it's taking place at the same time, but they're not uh they're complementary of each other, but they are not dependent on each other. So you don't need to have read the Black Crown to read the Lionheart. The Lionheart ends up being his, you know, essentially hero name, his paragon name. I can't say call him a superhero because there's no such thing as a superhero in their world. And so I'll, I'll ask you this because because now that everything, everything's kind of finished, the process of finally getting it done, you had the writing of it, the editors, the book's finally done. Now that you finally did it, what can you say to people now at this point from being in, in this space compared to the last time you were on? Uh you got to read a lot and you got to write a lot. You got to have a good, uh, you know, have a prolific uh, body of work behind you to, uh, so that people who enjoy your books can go back. And go, oh, what else did they write that I like? And, you know, I'll latch on to that. Indies to me is absolutely killing it in both the novels and the comics kind of. I think anyone who's spending any amount of time on indie comics lately, you know, uh, that's a bit of uh, that. That whole shit show is a Thunderdome at this point. And uh, I don't even want to get involved in a lot of it, but uh, I will say, so I will say the art a, a lot is of, a lot more different than things like things like Comics Gate, you know. Yeah, there's yeah. no established, there's no established like leader or anything. It's kind right. of a group of people with their own idea, their own ways of looking at things, the way they're going to do things, and that's to me, I've always kind of liked that approach better because the whole Comics Gate thing is just that doesn't mean anything anymore. Well remember, well, remember what I said earlier about labels that can end up having a negative connotation. Right. Time. Yeah. Even when I first discovered Comicsgate back in 2019 or so, and I was all, you know, I was all for it. I'm all for indie comics in general. I don't care mm -hmm. if it's Comicsgate or not. Mm -hmm. But even from my perspective, from the perspective of someone on the outside looking in, a lot of what was centered around Comicsgate was the live streams, the Twitter drama, and whether it's farming or not. From my perspective, all I saw is a lot of fighting and a lot, especially a lot of infighting. And that really turns me off as like a customer. Um, I know that, you know, egos are going to clash every now and then, but you really do not see this level of infighting in the indie author circles that you do in the indie comic circles. It's very mm -hmm. frustrating. And I know I, the only thing I can really do is try to, as best I can to be the adult in the room and not, Mm -hmm. uh you know make my not not dig into it too much look if you have a problem if, if you don't like one creator over another that's fine no one's obligated to like isom no one's uh obligated to like uh cyber frog mm -hmm. but when you make your social media account 90 percent shitting on those creators that's obnoxious like yeah Especially for uh, Eric July's haters, it's like that's their only personality, and it's just fucking obnoxious, and yeah. I can't stand it. I that, that's what I find weird. It's like people. Well, I'm not saying people that watch you or anyone that's going to see this on my end that, that like me too. 
it's kind of like with the LCS, the one that's in North America for competitive league of legends is people are more focused on the drama surrounding the actual league itself and the actual gameplay in it. So an example of that would go to this, more people are kind of involved with like the drama surrounding this kind of thing rather than the actual stories themselves. And in reality, people are, I mean, I'm I'm not going to say this. Like probably could. I don't should I burn the house down? No, it's on YouTube. I can't burn the house down yet. But you, you know what I'm trying to say, dude. Like people are more involved with like what a creator thinks about another creator than what that creator is actually creating themselves. And then other creators won't even review their friends' books either. Well, I've they noticed that in Comics Gate. Not saying everyone does this, but you know, they'll talk about like objectively bad stories from the mainstream. None of them review each other's books. That's that's nor the thing talk I about noticed. their stories. If you right, notice that. That's- that's a thing I, th- I noticed with a lot of Eric's detractors is Eric's comic is the only comic book that exists, right? They don't apply this level of scrutiny to any other comic in the world. Not even people it's in just comics gate do that. Not even people in comics gate do that. You'll have people on yeah. streams who'll say, this book is good, this book is good. And then they'll just circle jerk each other with this like, oh, what did you like about your friend's book? Oh, I thought the art was great. The cover art looks good. Okay, that's cool. What about the story? They'll never speak about it. You'll never hear anything about these guys' stories. But everyone comes through Eric's books like it's may, may, maybe the second coming of the Bible or something. It's like, I don't, I, I, I just don't see why we don't apply that logic to everyone else's books. These guys won't even review their friends' books because they know basically they, they, their friends themselves can't take criticism either. You know, they don't even, they don't even apply it to the mainstream comics book. And right, that was yeah. the thing that Comics Gate was really good at for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, and some still do. Uh, hmm. and what's, uh, John Delarose. <laughs> so many guys with three uh three names all at once so many john uh, rose jeremy's john definitely still uh <laughs> peeks in at the uh mainstream comics every now and then and says yo okay this is objectively very bad i don't believe that you have to uh come out with something and, and call it anti-woke to try and get that yeah. kind of attention you just need to make something that's really good and make understanding the basics of writing uh, and how to you know apply that and how to get better, you'll end up coming out with something that's uh, great. I mean, you don't need to be the best thing in the world to beat the mainstream uh, writers oh, or authors. I'm, I wanted to get you, your, your opinion on this topic, which I thought was so b- b- BS, because I, I know you used to buy comic books back when you used to get trades and comics and all that stuff. You know how people kept having this argument about quality versus like late books, mm-hmm. when in reality, my brain probably opening i mean you do dragon ball z you know tn's like the third eye open my third eye legitimately open <laughs> all the best art people have gotten from comic books in the last 10 20 30 40 50 plus years all came out on time all the best artists where people claim their art is the best like alex ross and all these other people like that the art came out on time those comic books came out on time so when people start arguing to me oh no being late means better quality that's bullshit it just is like you would have to be a brain dead NPC to actually believe that. So you're telling I mean, me that ar- arguably what? it can be because there's that uh, one phrase uh, a video game developer, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Shingiro Miyamoto, the mm-hmm. guy that created Zelda and Mario and all of that. Said, uh, <laughs> "What uh, a genius uh, that guy is." Uh, a delayed game is eventually good. A bad game is a bad game is bad forever. You know, there's there's a level of that for sure. And look, I. Pushed my book out of the door when the story and the narrative part was essentially done. Mm-hmm. If I'd have waited a little longer, I could have had like interior illustrations and mm-hmm. a couple of other uh, whistles and doodads to make it look a, l- a little nicer. But, you know, at some point you got to shit or get off the pot and you got to put something out there. Right. Really make sure that the core of what you like is there. You don't have mm-hmm. to have the best art in the world or the best story in the world, 
but you do have to be able to be better than what the mainstream puts out. And they can come up with something that's really pretty, that's still bare bones or just repugnant on the inside. Right. And something that's all mm-hmm. sizzle, no steak. And that's the other thing that people got to understand. If you want, or not, not even saying compete, if you want to get out there to get your career in writing or novels like you're doing started, you have to eventually do it. You, and you have to come out in a timely fashion because, you know, do people's attention spans. We know yeah. like, within TikTok brain. We know people have like TikTok, YouTube short brain to the point. Now, but, if you don't come up with something in a timely manner, they're going to forget about you. It's just how it works. But that's a good but that's a good question now, because this is mm-hmm. a unique thing to the crowdfunding scene. Right. How uh, what is on time when it's a crowdfunding thing? Right. Because mm-hmm. you're not under a huge time crunch. Um, but the expectation of your audience is that you will deliver this within, you know, I would say what, maybe a few months of it actually coming out. Yeah. And I think, I think if you go past a year in I time, think six months sometimes, because a year yeah, is a long time. I'm actually, a, I'm a, I'm a patient person. Generally yeah. speaking, <laughs> I understand crowdfunding. You're doing all the work yourself. You know, you mm-hmm. raise the money, right. you, you hire mm-hmm. the artist, the letter or the color. And I'm hoping, listen, when Lionheart launches, I'm hoping to have a companion comic to go with it. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of understanding, but when it's been a year, I kind of think that it's okay to check in and say, Hey man, what, you know, where are you at? Give us a little update. What's going on. You know, at the very least update your audience, where it's at, where is it going? Uh, if you're hit with, you know, shit happens. If you're hit with delays, you're hit with, uh, uh, whatever, you know, something that happened personally or mm-hmm. the artist. I, I understand personal on. delays happen like printer problems. You might have a death in the family. That those are totally understandable yeah. things, but it's when people have like two plus years running late. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, yeah, you know, that's just yeah. I see. It. I, I would I would think two years is completely unacceptable. I also Bar- think six months barring severe really health problems. Oh, true. I would think it would. Yeah. And at that point, My- you know, the people will be justified in asking for refunds. Mike says, "I always find it amazing that people are late when you set your own time." Yeah, because it says estimated on the whole crowdfunding website friends are ever bought a crowdfunded book it says estimated there and i'm pretty sure even after the date goes up if the person who's making it says hey i I probably need about two years to do this then they should let people know that that's called being a creative that's called being someone who's taking charge of your own project if you think it's going to take you about two or three years to do something tell people that that way you know that way they're not expecting it to come in like a year but these guys don't do that i I, you can literally go on their own account and update it and say, hey, it might come out in three years. That'd be, I, I would find that more acceptable than someone just being like, just leave, leave, leaving their fans in the dark. Because what people will ask themselves is they'll get the, they'll get it. And their first thought will be, mm-hmm. was this worth waiting two years for? And I'll, I'll, and I'll ask you that half the stuff that you've gone for crowdfunding or I'll just ask yourself, was it really like the most qualityest thing ever to wait that long for it? Most of the time it's just all right for the most part, you know? Yeah. Like a lot of these crowdfunded books, people keep saying, oh, they're so good. They're so good. I don't hear anyone talk about them. I don't hear people talk about this shit half the time. It doesn't exist. People buy it, back it, get it, and then don't ever read it. <laughs> it's just Not, so weird. That's why guys like uh, uh, Tim Lim, the, the, the Common America uh, crowd, like they're in a really good sweet spot. They've got really uh, vibrant good artwork. <laughs> That's, true. That's so true, man. Right? They can literally just tell you what's coming in three years, but they can't even go on their update page on Indiegogo and go, this might come out in 2025. It's like just a sentence will do it for you. God, man, that just be, yeah, so true, man. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And um, again, I'm fairly, I'm fairly amenable, you know, within like 12 months, you know, I understand shit happens. People are going to 
Oh, Andrew, yeah. this is so true. If a human yeah. can be conceived and birthed and learn how to walk by the time you draw a comic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Help me out here. I, I'm not talking about any person specifically. I'm just saying in general from like my own life experience. Artists are weird people, okay? Uh, artists generally are weird people who are generally social, socially introverted. And I'll say this right now. There are people out there that work in, like you said, work in snow. Remember in Iowa where Vivek Ramaswamy was at? There was a guy in the snow delivering people's mails. You're telling me you have it harder than that guy creating a character? Come on, man. Like, you, you gotta, he's gotta make sure people get their mail on time in the snow, freezing cold, like maybe 20 degrees out there in Iowa at this point now. And people well, are not, you know, creative, about creating a character. Like, the come creative on, what, brain. I mean, I, the creative brain is an interesting one because sometimes you can sit there and it just doesn't want to cooperate with you. Uh, I now I'm not an artist. But yeah. I got to imagine, you know, uh, artists and writers uh, kind of have a similar uh, thing where the longer you, if, if the longer you cook, the the better mm. something might be. But, right. You know, again, <laughs> at some point you got to shit or get off the pot. At some point you got to put the thing off the pan, otherwise it's going to be burnt. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> you know, if it it may look really, at least you can get something really nice, you know, after that long. You know what I'm saying? But all that's you, man. It's just, it's just really weird that artists think this way. No one thinks this way. Nobody does. Um, okay, you take your kid to the uh, – let's say you go and select the doctor because he has a, a sore throat. And the doctor goes to you and like, you know what? I'm going to provide your kid better quality med medical services or medicine. It's only going to take me about two months. Your kid's like suffering with a freaking sore throat and you came to this guy for like medicine. He's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get you better quality medicine. Come back in two weeks. Like what the fuck? No one would accept that. It's just there, weird people it, online. That Eric, just Eric like does that. Yeah, Eric does understand uh, the element of good customer service, and Hi, he's bam. put a lot of he literally by you. Uh, I sound okay. He's put a lot of energy, money, and time into having the customer service end be uh, something that's handled right. quickly, mm -hmm. professionally, and uh, you know that's not, that's a part of his machine that is oiled and working really well. And you know more uh, more how. Bleh, Hats off to him for that, uh, because he probably saw there was a deficit of that in the, the crowdfunding indie comic mm -hmm. scene. And I think he's really trying to out-professional a lot of other professionals as well. Not just in indie comics, but in mainstream comics. Because I got to tell you, uh, indie comics uh, creators are not just the ones that can act up. The comic pros, or I call them unprofessional professionals... Because, man, this they are some of the most unprofessional people I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just blatantly attack their own audience, their own potential right. audience. Mm -hmm. Like, why would you do this? Uh, I cannot. I honestly cannot stand comic pros because most of them get on They're Twitter. Literate. These are illiterate people. Uh, illiterate weird people, man. All of weird. themselves. Right. Like, yeah. I've never mm -hmm. seen this level of narcissism that is so unearned. Like you write comic books. <laughs> Where are you that, getting yeah. this idea? <laughs> they that live in their house 24-7. They don't experience the real world. There's a difference between living in your house, doing your job versus someone who's out. So I'm not saying it's someone works harder. It's more like when an artist tells me that they have a hard job, when I actually see people having hard jobs, I got to sit to myself and go, dude, come on, man. There are people out there. Okay, do you have friends who works at, who may have worked at like truck washes? People don't know truck washes. You have to have like twenty trucks like clean, spick and span, spotless in like less than thirty minutes. I imagine that's pretty hard work. Gets done on time. You can do things quality and on time. I don't know why people have this like big discernment between them both. 
Uh, Hell says, as someone who creates and writes characters, it can be hard and you'll be lost at times. I agree. Yeah. But you should have most of everything down packed before asking for people's money. Yeah, that that's yeah. that's the other thing. That's having yeah, having man. a clear yeah, definitely have a clear vision before you get started with something. Like before I started writing the black, before I started uh, writing the Black Crown, I knew where I wanted it to end, and I knew and I worked uh, backwards until I figured out where was the best place for this story to start, and then focus on uh, getting all of the stuff uh, in the middle worked out. But a lot of the things that you're saying if people think about where people put their energy if they're putting mm. all their energy into their live streams their twitter feed <laughs> and all this other stuff that is not creating you're you're expending i expend some of my energy being on twitter and being an occasional shit usually call usually call people stupid for the most part right yeah. you're, you're yeah. not a parent you're a moron so john what just you doing, dude. yeah <laughs> I expend some of my energy on that, but that is not the focal point of my energy. I expend uh, a certain amount of my energy to make sure I put out quality streams and quality, you know, quality is or as quality as I can get them videos on my channel. Mm -hmm. But when I, uh, there comes a time when you have to push all that stuff out to the side and you have to focus mm -hmm. on your creative project. You're the majority of your energy should be into making what you make and making it to the best of your ability. Because if you're putting all your energy into other stuff, or you took all the energy you put into everything else. Imagine uh, how much better you can be. That's one thing I uh, I have against. I say it to the guys and uh, that hate on Eric July. I said, mm -hmm. you put the amount of time and effort that you do shitting on Eric's comics into your own work. You could probably show up, Eric. That's the thing is I don't know people actually know these things, but like the most famous people, you know, basically to get as far as they've gotten or as successful as they've been to, they've had to sacrifice a lot to get there because they focus all their time and energy that other parts of it might go to family or whatever on that thing that you're trying to get done. The reason why a lot of this stuff doesn't get done is, is you know, Eric's Eric talking about being focused. Like, dude, some of the most best chefs in the world will sit in a kitchen making the food over and over and over again, all day, not being at home, not being with their family. And that's the thing. What I, what I thought to myself is people just don't want it bad enough. If you want it bad enough, all your focus is on that. Nothing yeah. else for the most part. No, People don't have enough balance. That, that over, That's kind of what it is. Over on the Twitter chat, Maw's coming in, says my, his works are, uh, his tweets are a work of art. And th that is true. <laughs> and he Now he puts his energy into uh, tweets. He's a pretty big uh, Twitter account. Yeah, and I, like, I agree with that too, Hale. I know people are online because I can tweet 20 times a day. Yeah, like... Fucking hell, people spending hours on Twitter, people. You can write some shit. Come I can, on. I can, put, I can put 20 tweets out just on the toilet. And most, <laughs> some of them will probably pop off, go viral. That is a, <laughs> that is a real art that I've had some guys uh, behind the scenes express. Like, how in the hell do you get your shit, your tweets to go out so far? And I'm like, you know, I kind of don't really know. I just seem to be mm -hmm. just vitriolic enough to annoy people to pay attention to what I'm tweeting. <laughs> Oh yeah, dude! I am not saying it's not hard to make comics. I oh yeah, yeah, understand yeah. that. But if you want to I'm get about the to book find that, I'm going to find that out yeah. for myself. If you want to get the book out in a timely manner to make sure your fans get the book that they're paying you money for, you know, you got to put your focus all into it for the most part. I get it. Things in life happen, but you know, we got we got work we got to do here. White. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> saying, okay, because people are going to be like, it's hard to do because I have no time. There's plenty of people we know specifically who have a lot of stuff on their plate, plus family, they get their stuff done. So a guy you mentioned earlier, John DeLaRose. John DeLaRose has two YouTube channels. One reviews comics, one his bigger one everyone knows about, runs a fandom, his own fandom website, has a wife and kids, okay, and a job. 
Okay, that's everything. And he still manages to get all of his books done on time. And people are telling us to our face with a straight face they can't do it. That's bullshit, man. John, John does it, and, and John is really a model to, uh, and I told him this yesterday too, John is really a model to mm-hmm. follow because it mm-hmm. works for him. Now, granted, John is more involved in the culture war than oh, I yeah. am. Yeah. Uh, really, the extent of my culture war is to jump on whatever's coming out of Hollywood or, or Marvel or Disney and just say, this looks like shit, and then you know, mm-hmm. exit out of it. Don't get caught up tweeting uh, uh, constantly in Twitter fights with Stan accounts because – one, they're not really people. They're uh, probably a bot farm, <laughs> and uh, they they don't care if they fight because that brings more engagement to the actual argument. Uh, and two, even if they are real people, they're probably teenagers. Uh, they don't have any media literacy, and so anything you say will objectively be lost. Like I, I've lost. I've spent like a combined total of like two years. Uh, in Facebook jail, getting in uh, online arguments and earning bans from them because I couldn't couldn't control my vulgarity, frankly. And uh, I'm a little better at it now. Uh, you you guys, Bayou, you say I'm I'm angry, bro. I used to be way angrier. <laughs> I used to be really. I, I'm talking. I used, I used to, to I used to fly off the handle when people you used to say something stupid to me. Yeah, to you really back as you get old, you're like, ah, do I really want to go off on you, this guy? You got to remember, I'm on like my fifth Twitter account, and like three of them at least I lost because I didn't control myself. In a, in a <laughs> my main one, I would just straight up call people the hard f word, hard f word. I'll call oh, them n word. I would call them everything. That's bold. I would call them twat waffle. I would, everything, and I and I. I they, and they said I was being racist, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I was a little bit. <laughs> but you know, every now and then, some people on Twitter they just need to be told to go fuck themselves. Yeah, it is what uh, it is. <laughs> it's it's also really cringe that you know you have all this going on, and everyone keeps saying that they're going to put out something better than the main mainstream stuff. But you know, yeah, focusing all your energy on social media probably won't be the best use of your time if you're focusing on, you know tweeting constantly i see drama farming and that stuff and these people always say man why did my project not do as well probably because you're less focused than someone else's yeah and i think i think that's one good thing about social media the, the mm-hmm. twitter youtubing and everything like that being able to network with uh, your contemporaries and even you know kind of brainstorm with your contemporaries and kind of get different perspectives on things that you can apply to your own creative process is a really good and I think important thing that we kind of lacked in the past where it was you kind of had to wait for an auteur or a visionary to kind of come up with something and hopefully uh, get in the right place at the right time in order for their work to really get out there. And I think that's where you end up getting a lot of really good creative projects from the 80s and the 90s that popped up. You had those mm-hmm. kind of really good creative people. Um, and you don't have that in the mainstream now. You have people who are activists first and they are mm-hmm. making stuff by committee. This is why the indies is really to me where all of the creative uh, energy is these days is, you know, uh, the independents now have uh, the capability to self-publish, whether it's a comic or a novel and put it out there without editorial oversight, you know, and that can come with good and bad ramifications, but you can also, uh, you know, get so many unique voices and interesting things, you know, uh, like my friend Jim Wilburn, you know, he's got his book out there. It's very different from mine, but it's a great work of literature. And we're seeing, I was never huge into uh, like, you know, big indie comics back then, but I kind of am now. And I'm seeing what everyone's coming up with. And I really want to enjoy what everyone's making, uh, whether they uh, have big egos and they're fighting with each other or not. 
I need to get a little bit more into Dark Horse and Im- Image stuff. I think I own maybe one or two Image titles at most, maybe. I don't think I own any Dark Horse stuff, really. I think I do. But no, it's also the other thing, you know, I think if more attention is brought to, like, the actual stories and stuff, then you have a mar- – because I know there's a big market of people out there who like indie stuff, and there's always this overlap of, like, drama people. <laughs> if there's somewhere in there to get an audience of people that want to talk about the stories – I think you could grow from that. Like tonight, for those who know tonight on Rumble, Twitch, and Twitter, we're going to do an ISOM number one open spoiler discussion because I just finally read it, finished it this morning. I was like, you know what? Sat down, finally read it. I had a blast. I had a blast. I, I wish I could join you for that. Honestly, uh, I've got church this evening. And when I get back, uh, my good friend Beard of Darkness just crossed 1K subs on uh, oh, his, his BookTube awesome. channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to try and jump in there if I'm uh, You have a message me back. He was supposed to come on the show. We tried to set it up, but I just never got a reply back. He, he didn't say no or anything. We don't, we, we don't hate each other at all. No. I, he probably just got lost in his DMs. Yeah, he's got a lot of folks in DM. He interviews almost as many people as you do. There was a period there. He was interviewing like two authors a day. Dude is prolific. Dude, yeah. He popped up. He popped off. I told him uh, when we met, I told him, I said, hey, man, leave some authors to interview for me, okay? <laughs> Dude, last year when I had to rebuild up the podcast from losing my main YouTube channel, I think there was a day where I did like four one-on-ones from the two to like seven o'clock in the day. After the seventh one, after the fourth one, my eyes were burning. I was like, how did I do this? I literally just laid out on the carpet right there. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> just completely just gone, man. But I think I think this is one of the best things. Uh, Ethan Van Skyver, that was some uh, advice that I took from him. Uh, listen to one of his streams. Like, mm-hmm. this is the best part about being an indie creator right here is – there's no barrier between you and your audience uh, or your contemporaries. They can contact you. They can talk to you. Uh, you know, your fan, the fans of something you wrote can get together and have a, a spoiler stream and talk about this uh, together. Mm-hmm. And this is that's really kind of unprecedented because back in the day, we had to wait for something to hit uh, the comics to hit the stand to pop up in the movie theaters or on, on TV. Or, you know, we might not even know it existed. And, you know, here you got guys that are uh, inspired by uh, other indies to make their own stuff and get out there. And that's, to me, one of the best things, parts about the Iron Age and, you know, building your own fan base, building your own readership. Kahuna, thank you, sir. Thank you, buddy. One and all, I am here. Who is this Kahuna? What's up, buddy? <laughs> it's um the other thing is I, I want to be the guy where we could have like people have book clubs all the time. Why can't we have a comic book club? Why can't we just go back? So who doesn't know? I want to do a comic book club for comic books. We could do older Marvel stories. We know we actually made good stuff, you know. Marvel DC image, boom, dark horse, all that stuff, you know. And the in the point of the shows, the certain podcasts we're gonna do on Wednesdays. When, my, when everyone, you know, reads the stories, wants to be on to talk about the stories, we just talk about the story. That's it. Going over the characters, the story, the dialogue, all that stuff. Nothing about, like, the drama surrounding anything. Because there should be something like that. I feel like there is, but no one really, la- like, latches on to that enough. Everyone talks about, hey, remember when freaking John DeLaRose punched jo- the other John? It's like, what? What? But hey, buy, buy Black Crown. Like, what the heck are you talking about? Like, we're also talking about the, you know, story. For, if we ever did a podcast on your book... We talk about your book. What's in your book specifically? Not like, did John A. Douglas cuss out EVS on Twitter? It's like, what the fuck they got to do with the book, you know? There is something to, like, surrounding yourself with enough drama to kind of attract a crowd. It does definitely attract a certain type of crowd. I can't say, like, that certainly several of my tweets have popped off because they drew enough ire from enough people, right? 
to in order to kind of uh, bring in a certain a bunch of eyes. But the thing I've learned, especially when it comes to your tweets popping off like that, is it lasts about three or four days, right? And then when you and then the people that were irritated at you lose interest, and in uh, in twenty four hours they've forgotten you exist. But you also end up getting followers that agree with what you said and they mm -hmm. stick around. That was how I ended up. Uh, that was how I ended up building a, a, a almost three thousand subs to my last Twitter account before that got unceremoniously booted. <laughs> yeah, I remember. The only reason why it got news because you posted a, a gif of a dude getting knocked out or something with a bat. Like, yeah, it was one of my favorite gifts too. Like, it, it, essentially, my favorite "fuck you" gif. And I posted. <laughs> someone reported it as a a violent threat, and it had to have been mass flagged or something because usually one or two people, one or two reports aren't going to do it. Right. So I do kind of watch a little bit of what the, you know, what posts, I, I don't put memes that have like slurs mm -hmm. and uh, acts of violence on them just, just to kind of avoid that hopefully. Cause honestly, I, I cannot hold, I I'm running out of uh, phone numbers to use here. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where, how I'm going to have another. You're going to have to like account. buy your son a random I, smartphone. That you just I, use the number through. <laughs> no, his already got banned. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'd have to buy like a burner phone, you know, like a drug lord just to do that. Oh, thank you, Makaya, for following me. That means I have hit 400 followers on Twitter myself now. Cool. So now I can be at 500 followers was where my original account was at. And it's crazy. Comics Division followed me on my original account. People forget that. That's and cool. I lost the account and I can't uh -huh. contact him. Yeah, right. Razor Fist followed me on my old account, and then like I, I didn't, I didn't want to be that guy who uh, tagged him on uh, Twitter and said, "Hey, please follow me again." He actually did because I needed to ask him a question. Mm -hmm. uh, I had somebody say, "Hey, can you tell Razor Fist to follow me so I can ask him a question?" <laughs> I did have to ask him a question because I have a, a big long form project I'm going to be starting mm -hmm. before too long because uh, I got some information behind the scenes that is the equivalent of uh, book the book industry uh, insider trading. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I've got to act on this. And uh, that's going to be like my biggest yeah, project Hill's, coming up. His account is just fucking, it always, I forget, it's always popping off. He had like Nerd Rodic follow him, Yellow Flash. Like, I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm jealous. I ain't going to lie. He's got something in the Kool-Aid. He, he, he gave them some sort of like magical menstrual aid of drink or something. Good Lord, what? man. <laughs> well you know he's in a lot of people's uh comments and that's kind of like how i, I kind of pick who to follow because you, you got to remember if you want to grow on twitter if you follow for follow everybody that follows you like i'm that sorry actually, I, have, I can't read uh it's actually uh detrimental to your growth because they'll stop mm -hmm. the algorithm will stop pushing because they think you're trying to artificially boost your own numbers yeah follow for your own yeah. So, like, it depends on, you know, are you talking to me? Are you interacting with me? If you do that enough, obviously, uh, you know, I'll reciprocate and say, okay, I'll follow you, you know. But what, is, what did Oki say? Well, it bothers me about oh, Razor's oh, Fist. Is he yeah. bugging out at Marvel and DC? I understand. My yeah, it, it's just. I, I understand. You know, He's not everybody's cup of tea. I actually don't watch him, honestly. I, I, I mostly see him when he guest appears on other people's channel. I'm not saying I don't like the guy or anything, but. I've only really seen him on other people's stuff. Like some some of the people aren't my cup of tea. Oh, your wife, your wife's just being a butt, probably. Or is he kidding today? <laughs> but uh, <what>? it, <laughs> no, it's a yeah, it is. You got that right. No, it, it's just one of those things where 
it could have affected how popular Marvel and DC are. Like, I imagine if you spend a lot of money on Marvel and DC comics throughout the years as a kid, going to an adult, you're gonna be pretty mad if it's bad. Like, people gotta understand that though. There's there's, oh, yeah. there's a huge attachment there. You know, like it, it's imagine like supporting a sports team for all, your entire life, and when so like the Patriots, right? Patriots won a lot, seven titles or whatever. When they're bad, you're gonna be pretty bad when they're bad. You know, that's understandable. This is this is not. Hey, look, I'm uh, 42. I'm of a certain vintage. Okay, this is not the first time in my life that I have seen something I genuinely loved mm-hmm. end up becoming so poor of quality that I just finally have to step away from it and say, you know, what? I just can't do this anymore. I'm not investing my time and energy and interest in something that is not giving me something that's creatively fulfilling. I'll give you a couple examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a teenager, uh, one of the few comic runs I actually collected was the uh, old Archie Sonic comic, which was which great for its time. And I had like a whole yeah, collection. Yeah. I had all the miniseries. I had the original issue zero through three. I had all of the uh, uh, 48-page specials. I'm talking, if it came out from Archie and it was Sonic, I collected it because and then, like around issues seventy-five, like the the quality of the writing uh, under Ken Penders really started to dip. And I'm talking, I was not a very experienced writer at that point, but even I recognized that you know inconsistent characters, uh, inconsistent storylines, plot points that were brought up and uh, that were dropped and never brought up again were frustrating. And these things all culminated, and finally, it just went in a creative direction. I said, you know, I'm really just not interested in this anymore. WWE is the same thing. Like I went through this cycle of get hyped for some, get hyped for a new feud and then wait for it to, uh, wait for it to, you know, get good. And it never really got good. And then, Oh, but wait for the payoff pay-per-view. And then you watch the payoff pay-per-view and it's almost always the, the ending that makes the fans mad. Cause, and there's been times where even industry professionals were going like, does WWE actually hate its own fans? And in 2018, I just kind of had to step back and I was like, I'm watching hours and hours of pro wrestling each week and it's not entertaining and it's never giving me that excitement that I used to have. I don't care about these, uh, a lot of the newer wrestlers. I don't care about the storylines that get put in. It just seems like they could never get their shit together. And that's Mm. frustrating as a fan, you know, when they can't do that. Star Wars, Star Trek, they all did the same thing in the last few years, creative decisions that uh, resulted in a lackluster product and I do not want to give my time and my energy. And that's a bad thing. When you drive off the fans that have been there long-term and you make a product that drives them away or you attack the fan base, that especially drives me away. When you draw, attack your own fan base and drive the longtime fans off and then laugh at the fact that they're saying, fuck you, I'm leaving. That's a bad thing, and they're starting to uh, come around. They're starting to come to the uh, find out part of fuck around uh, these days. <clears throat> Especially this year is going to be bad. Now Hollywood's going to be contracting this year. The right. You don't like the Rock coming back to WWE? <laughs> hey, where's all them Cody Bros going? The story's not finished, bro. I told the Cody Bros last year when they fucked him over at the end of WrestleMania that. They brought him back specifically to fuck him over because mm-hmm. what has Vince always done with guys who went out and got big somewhere else and then come back? He treats them like shit and buries them to uh, to to get back at them for doing that. He did it to Sting. He did it to Diamond Dallas Page. Mm-hmm. He, he did it initially to Goldberg until Goldberg was one of his biggest attractions, but he had to tear him down first. And then what did Cody do? Cody went out, created competition for a short period, 
and then came back to, quote, finish the story and get the title that his dad never got. And they set him up to be that success at WrestleMania. And then at WrestleMania, what did they do? Pull the rug out from under him and his fans. Gay it so we could do what? Have cho- Shove that Roman Reigns dick down our throat another year. As if a decade of it wasn't enough. Sorry to go on a tangent there. But if yeah. I met, you know, words. it's just... And they're all saying, what was their, what was their yeah. cope? The story's not finished. It'll happen next year. It ain't going to happen next year. I guarantee you. If they didn't do it then, they're never going to do it. And that's that's what WWE is best at now, is setting up the, uh, uh, the the fans' expectations and then not delivering them. And that's where those complaints come from. Does WWE actually hate its fans? Do they not want their fans to feel good about something, anything? And I stopped watching them because of that. When you drive off someone who's been watching these things for 20 years, buying these comics for decades, you end up creating a situation where uh, you've lost the plot. And then you'll have them. Oh God! I don't know if you saw that recent one with the tabletop RPG guy, where he's talking about this like LGBTQIA bull bullcrap. Actually, it's like, bro, they, these people on that side can't even like a tweet nor retweet it without being told there's some like you're ruining everything. You're a alt right conservative left wing nut job. Blah blah blah. It's like. Bro, it's a like on a well, that strategy team. hasn't uh, doesn't work as well as it used to. I mean, really, the only mm-hmm. thing that a uh, that a creative needs to do when uh, an online mob tries to uh, knock you down or mm-hmm. uh, you know cultivate your uh, opinions in a certain direction is just tell mm-hmm. them to fuck off. I mean, we've we've known the solution to this, and now it's finally starting to yeah. uh, kind of pay off. Sorry, my nose is a little itchy. Um, but there's some that aren't savvy enough to know this strategy. Uh, this happened in the tabletop gaming space very recently, Ed Greenwood, who is a uh, bit of a legend in the tabletop gaming space. He wrote uh, a lot of some of the forgotten realms books in that arena. So he's a bit of a, he is a bit of a legend and he shared something, uh, some projects like this is cool. And it was from somebody who's in comic skate. And so the, the Wokies and sparkle trolls that are uh, in the tabletop gaming space nowadays uh, jumped down his throat and he put out this groveling apology uh, in video and tweet form and people were, you know, to so that he could quote stay in the good graces. But the 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 thing you got to remember is uh, there's always a this is a purity test for a lot of people on social media. That's the only power they have is say you need to agree with us to pass this purity test. But the, you can never pass their purity test enough. They will eventually try to cut his head off and say you know that's never enough. We've seen that happen as well. Uh, you need to stand up. You need to say go fuck yourself. It's my project, my opinion. I'll uh, believe what I want to believe and. When <clears throat> when you kneel, you only make it easier to lop your head off. And the other thing, a few things more I ask you before we head out, because I know it's a little bit late on your side. It's probably going to be like, it's going to be like eight or nine soon, probably. That's all. Well, uh, it is. Future. It is six o'clock. I got like, you know, in about 30 minutes, I'll be leaving uh, to go to church. Church? What the heck? I thought Christians I, are all these terrible <laughs> people now. Twitter told me it's true, right? <laughs> I don't know. It, I've had a yeah, I've had a really good time in church myself. It's never hurt my feelings, but uh, you know, I, I was never an overly edgy teenager. Uh, <laughs> you see a lot of that these days, like the, the middle school edgy, you know, God's yeah. actually a really mean guy and stuff. <sighs> just it's so trite and old. They'll say like Jesus was a part of like that community, and it's like, all right, I guess yeah, whatever. You, you can't speak this kind of thing into reality. It was never reality before. So the other thing I wanted to ask you is, um, how was your uh, holiday season from Thanksgiving? So say like from Halloween, 
from Halloween all the way through uh, New Year's, actually. Oh, I was very busy. Uh, so busy, in fact, I actually took a bit of a hiatus on my channel during December to kind of focus on both book promotion and to kind of get things lined up, uh, do some nuts and bolts stuff on my channel that uh, I hadn't sat down to actually do. Some of it's still not done, but I'm still working on it. Um, and it, it's it's it, it was it was a good end of the year. But uh, I have a message for all creatives going to 2024. Look, this year, because of the, the writers and the actor strike last year, you're going to see a big delay in a lot of stuff. This is definitely a year that you can take advantage of of the lull that they have in their creative that's coming. We do not have a hell of a lot of movies or a hell of a lot of new TV shows coming out this year. I think Marvel's only movie this year is going to be Deadpool 3. And uh, like their shows, they're definitely retooling that. Like Echo just dropped like a wet turd. And <laughs> it, it was, you know, just, it was just another turd in a long line of turds. They, they cannot get the TV show game right. I don't know what it is. I was surprised that. people were still crazy. I was surprised people were surprised it's a bad show. Dude, I used to watch these shows the the night they would drop new episodes yeah. for all these shows. I stopped at She-Hulk because I realized these are bad. The They're only bad. one I liked was Falcon and Winter Soldier, and even that has its ultra cringe moments like do better senator yeah. female villain being complete garbage like there was I, I if you only liked one of the shows out of like 10 of them, they failed. There, there's no way that's good. If you like yeah, one and- out of 10. It's bad. It really, it really has not caught on. And it just the lack, not just the lack of quality, but the fact they have so many writers. To me, it's all comes down to the lack of cohesive storytelling. Because you, you go back and you look at phase one and think, man, this was a well-oiled machine. They had their shit together. And they just do not have it here in the TV game. They try to make it that way, but it's just they're introducing too much that does not feel cohesive enough to really uh be as big as it used to be and they really could have if they had yeah i i kind of agree with gary from neurobotic they should have taken a break they should have let people have a breather after end game and missed it for a little while at least a year or two years and then come back with a cohesive plan because we saw what happened when they went into the star wars sequels and they did not have a plan a co- cohesive story across three movies and that felt just that was disjointed and it was a victim of its own uh, bad storytelling and then remember how the big article came out last year where it was revealed that they didn't for these shows they don't have a showrunner they thought they could just fix it in post that that's already (laughs) a a massive l doing a tv show without a showrunner that 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 that, 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 it's like they want to fail why would you ever do a tv show without a showrunner what is wrong with you and and now they're starting to find out that hey, not really as many people that like the MCU watch these TV shows as watch yeah. the movies. So when you end up when you end up having these movies that have that are uh, have characters from the TV shows show up, and they didn't watch the TV shows, well, naturally they don't know their story. They don't. They're not interested in them. I mean, the the Marvels flopped really hard because two thirds of that one, two thirds of that uh, cast were TV show characters, and two. Uh, it's been long enough that uh, the bloom fell off the rose of uh, Captain Marvel. And uh, <clears throat> going into that movie, uh, the cope from the Captain Marvel stands was just legendary. I I loved it because that was their biggest brag was Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Where's them billion dollars at? Where were the billion dollars worth of fans you claim Captain Marvel had? So there's two things uh, I know that you were big on Twitter about when you put those posts out. They 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 hit pretty hard. It was, same, it was my same line of thinking. So 
Captain Marvel and Aquaman, both movies made a billion dollars, right? Captain Marvel has extremely bad word of mouth. Captain Marvel might have the worst bad of mouth, bad, bad word of mouth of any MC movie. Even the worst ones don't have bad word of mouth as that one does. And the only reason why it doesn't make a sequel to that would be because it made a billion dollars. Right. I mean, that, that, that's all, on, that's the only reason, right? Because we know on the word paper, of mouth was executives that would make sense. Right. Because right, we know word, word of mouth, we're like sequel to Captain Marvel. I ain't watching that. The same they, people that claim they love the first one <laughs> didn't turn off for the second one because guess what happened, guys? They didn't really like it. If yeah. they had talked about how much they didn't like it on Twitter, they would have got called an instaphobe or a bigot on all that stuff. The, the Where's FOMO, all those fans? The FOMO was real when it came to Captain Marvel. I mean, everybody was even people who didn't really want to see the. I didn't see it. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't interested. I didn't look interesting, uh, and I especially did not like uh, the fact that. Brie Larson, you know, kind of came out and uh, said, uh, go fuck yourself if you're, uh, what was she said? I don't need a 46-year-old white guy to tell me what they didn't like about uh, oh, yeah, A Wrinkle yeah. in Time, which, by the way, what a stinker. That movie wound up being a real stinker as well, but I like watching the EFAP movie, the EFAP crew that covered that. <laughs> that is one of their best episodes ever. Second only to uh, the Lord of the Rings one where they turned the uh, the transportation of the ring into a, an allegory for the drug war is <laughs> hilarious. I, I I watched Captain Marvel, dude, and I thought it, I, it it's one of the worst MCU movies for sure. It's it's not good, and it's one of those things where you know they were bashing men, saying that men didn't go, men didn't want. Men see. were the men were the majority of the people who did go. Imagine they Even didn't. The go. women didn't um, go. Imagine the small amount of majority of men that went who have must have masochist tendencies to be talked to like that and go to watch that. If they didn't go and see that, that movie would have had a. Oh man, we're talking like maybe a 10 million opening weekend there. And I'm being generous with that. I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that the writers of the MCU, especially since Endgame, haven't really learned. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I understand and apply. Uh, if your audience is majority male, when it comes to the female characters, you have to apply creating a character that they will like. And that doesn't mean, uh, you know, turning it into like, you know, turning them into cheesecake, you know, you, you know, penny shots and, and uh, cleavage and all that shit. That's all well and good. You know, that's going to attract a certain, uh, that's going to attract a certain fan. But uh, my friend who is also a relationship, uh, a relation, uh, relationship therapist named Adam Lane Smith. Um, he has a uh, really good advice. He says, guy, he says, guys respect two things out of women, loyalty and likability. You create a female character that's likable, that seems like they, you know, a, a guy reading this would go, I would hang out with this chick. You're going to end up getting, that's the kind of likability that they're looking for when it comes to watching these characters. That All the MCU's really done is create 50 different flavors of the same girl boss character. And it's old. You know, you, you can only create so much of the same character. Just like in fantasy, like there's, uh, so many variations of a loincloth wearing sword wielding you know traveling barbarian okay it, it's all a different flavor of conan what are you doing that's a little different and uh you can write that character really well but it still will feel like a derivative of something that was you know the original aj what's up man we, aj uh, aj yeah uh, if you want to ever follow me on twitter we can you know get doing that one-on-one -on -one. i would love, love to talk to you again man i talked to aj on my original show back in the day but you know that's what dc universes do they got retconned a lot of my first appearances when these guys all got retconned and shit oh, chris no. what's up buddy uh let's see ultimate yeah i 
So the only MCU movies I haven't seen, I've seen mostly all of them except for I haven't seen the Marvels, Black Panther 2, and Guardians 3. Those are the only three MCU films I've never seen. I've seen every single one of them, and most of their Disney Plus projects. And, I, and this thing is, why would I want to watch the Marvel? Captain Marvel is bad. That movie sucks. I, I really don't get it. Like, you know, in the media, it's especially I, funny. Hold on, you know what's especially funny is it came out only a couple of months after Barbie did. So, like, oh, Lord. <laughs> the female audience is there, but you didn't. Uh, obviously, they're not being appealed by the 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 superhero genre as much as they yeah. claim they were. Oh, to to your point earlier, you know, it was mostly men that wouldn't support the Marvels and not women. Guys, you know why that happened? Because this stuff is mostly made for dudes. I'm not saying women can't like it, but the majority. Of genders, because there's only two of them. YouTube, don't don't sue me. Men will be mostly supporting this stuff. That's it. No one, no one ever it's said not, women can't it's like Star not Wars. Something to yeah. run from. It really yeah. isn't. You have a you have a very similar thing in the indie, uh, in mm -hmm. the fantasy genre in general. Mm -hmm. A lot of the biggest publishers stopped producing uh, books and mm -hmm. fantasy. You know, geared more towards guys. And I don't mean you know girls in chainmail bikinis as nice as that can be. Generally, these are, you know, especially a lot of YA books, young adult books, you know, written by women, edited by women, marketed to women. So there's, you know, guys don't generally gravitate towards, you know, uh, romanticy. Okay. Yeah. They, they yeah. don't. They they like uh, they like action, adventure, political intrigue, a lot of other elements. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you understand these things, you understand who you're. Uh, who your audience is um yeah, like you don't and have, they're still they put, and they're still yeah they don't put barbies in the superhero section at toy store no. that'd be ridiculous right because boys are gonna play with barbie dolls and if, yeah can you imagine how ass mad they would be if mm -hmm. a guy to uh took over uh took over ownership of barbie and said we're gonna there's not enough men there's not enough boys <laughs> interested in barbie we're gonna retool barbie to uh the and it's not fair you know, we're going to retool Barbie to uh, include the girl demographic, the boy demographic, and then made like uh, MMA Barbie and uh, war. <clears throat> uh, 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 I'm drawing a blank here. You, you get what I'm saying? Barbarian gal Barbie and shit like that. Make it more action adventure oriented. Uh, uh, space gunner Barbie. You know, things that are generally more, you know, geared towards guys. There, there would mm -hmm. be some females that would uh, dig some girls that would dig that, but nobody's going into the girl spaces and doing that. Right. But when something is geared toward guys, you'll see a lot of, uh, you'll see a lot of uh, ass mad Twitter females that will jump up on there and go like, and get mad because it's not trying to include them. Like why, why are you yeah. mad that there's something for boys and guys? Like the same thing that's happened recently with star Wars. Then that Arab lady that star Wars you had in the show talked about star Wars, mostly a boy thing. It's like, even like no one ever said girls can't like Star Wars. No one ever said that. But Star Wars is mostly geared towards dudes. I don't get why people think think that there's some sort of like bad nefarious thing when you say that. It's like Barbies are not made for me. They're yeah, not. That, but if I like them, it's like whatever, you know. That's why trying to that trying to force the same girl boss character into every MCU project doesn't really work. And like uh, they they've taken away uh, a lot of the appeal for. You know, the guys as well as some uh certain segments of the female audience they, they're not they're the ones who were always interested in aren't going to be interested in it now that they know it's being intentionally targeted towards them 
uh, it loses that appeal because, you know, they understand it's, it's almost like when you understand you're being manipulated, uh, something that you're interested in kind of loses the appeal to that. I've been saying the word appeal a lot. <laughs> and the last few things I'll ask you is, you got any plans for your YouTube channel coming up in 2024? Outside of the life stuff that might hinder these things? <laughs> um, the, the, continuing back in the author's outpost with interviewing indie authors, uh, the signal boost in, your, in interviewing other uh, indie creators, the, the long form tribute video that I'm working on, that's going to be a big thing, but that's going to be a lot of work on my end. So uh, be on the lookout for that. There's no telling how long that'll be. It'll probably be upwards of an hour, but it's something I really want to get done. And uh, with the insider information I got, it may end up being something that's uh, evergreen in the future. And I have another uh, stream that I'm trying to work on called Prosborn, which is uh, it's a panel show for other booktubers, book readers, and authors that I can have on um all at the same time we can discuss you know individual books or uh things like that and and i just felt like i wanted to do this i haven't haven't been able to wrangle uh all the people and it's like hurting cats these booktubers everybody's yeah. got something going on you're trying to get a panel of people on all at the same time yeah that's a little I, tricky yeah like i did it now i think three times at this point getting an actual panel not, not just a panel consistent panel people coming on constantly every day it's hard, man. That's why I get people have like panels like once a week because it's just hard to get people on, you know? Yeah. Lining up everyone's schedule is really tricky. And it's especially mm -hmm. tricky for me because I can only do this during the week. A lot of people uh, prefer to do it on the weekend when they're not busy. Right. So, yeah, it's like, you know what? You know what uh, works a little better uh, for you as far as getting mm -hmm. guests, uh, even though you don't necessarily know shows, an open invite. Say, hey, I'm going to stream. It's going to be open invite. The link is going to be in the description in the chat. You know, jump on and join if you want to. Uh, like a lot of good people who stream, they're like, oh, I, they'll make time for that because they want to show up and uh, chit chat a little bit. It, it's uh, it's been interesting. Uh, so, you know, that's that's one little thing to do. But uh, you can never know who's going to show up or if anyone even will show up. That's the thing is, imagine if like you, it's just you yourself there. You're like, oh, dang it. <laughs> Oh, not this guy. <laughs> <laughs> First time. <laughs> so last, last thing I'll ask is uh, any shout outs? Do you want to get to anyone in particular? Anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, I will give a shout out to uh, Chris Fisk. He has been in the uh, chat almost the whole time. He's the uh, creator of Infinitale Chronicles. Uh, that's what this is. This is the book that his indie comic came in. And man, this thing is gorgeous. I gotta show, I'm going to show off this comic. I got a bunch of indie comics in here. Is where I keep them all, but they're starting to uh, starting to get a little crowded. I ain't gonna lie. I'm hitting the mic here. Sorry. Real professional. Considered no expense. Uh, and I've got a, a. Okay, I pulled out an Immortal Rising. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one. <clears throat> Considered no expense, guys. I'm I'm real professional here. I know I know exactly what I'm doing. Here it is. Here we go. Infinitale Chronicles. I'm going to uh, signal boost his comic a little bit. And I've already read this, but I got a review coming. It look, you know, it's got great art on the inside. It come with some really cool little uh, uh, little extras that I love showing off because they look fantastic. Whereas it came with this uh, embossed foil card. That is even I prettier. I want to talk to that guy. I love his art style. I've seen him on Twitter. Is well, Chris, is, Chris yeah. is the writer. He's not the artist, if I'm not mm. mistaken. Uh, but still, the artist deserves all the credit in the world because this stuff looks great. You know, a little something to uh, for the uh, sequel book, too. I think that's coming this year. And I got a uh, 
this little sticker that I rolled over on my chair, unfortunately. Well, my kids rolled over on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about all I got, man. I don't know how you guys book all these big people. I, I have I have no idea. I mean, you you'll be surprised how many people are amicable to if you just you know ask nicely. That's how I got Razor Fist on my show. I just shot him out of the dark. I said, "Hey, man, shot in the dark. You want to come on and let me interview you about and just talk about your books." And uh, he said, "Yeah," and I was like, and "I was like, oh God, I was so nervous during that interview." <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's very rare i get nervous on these kind of things anymore but there was a few that i had where i had some bigger guests and i was like oh fuck i was like making sure i, I was breathing properly i was like what the fuck's going on i'm hyperventilating over a guest what the hell <laughs> but yes everyone uh my youtube channel is master swag king on uh youtube so if you enjoyed what you saw here today then please subscribe and follow me on twitter but yeah we're heading out guys print uh, maybe we'll do a, a, a show called iron age uh kings actually <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be cool. I know a lot of them guys would uh, would love to come on. There's a lot of Iron Age guys that are uh, always happy to kind of shout out their work. We got to set that up, though. Like, it, ha it has to be on a day where I don't have a show. Maybe, maybe we'll do, like, Thursday or something. Maybe we do, like, Iron Age Kings or something. Maybe I can create a group of that. That's just really hard to do, man. It's creating a group of people to do this stuff. It's just the hardest yeah. thing ever. If go you, it, look, if you're doing more ISOM or Ripiverse stuff in the future panel, definitely give me a shout-out. I love talking about the uh, Ripiverse. It's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, I just reviewed not that long ago Alpha Core. Really, Yeah, uh, so we're doing, doing ISOM tonight. Books. We're doing ISOM number two the following week and the third, the third week. We'll do uh, Alpha Core. It's probably like yeah. the beginning of February. Yeah. If I rip reverse anything, shoot me a message. I'll see if I can make it. Um, probably, probably not tonight. Yeah, I know. I have the same feeling. <laughs> Almost but, dead uh, in the book. I, also, I love why did Yara drop this black man on a car and he could have died? <laughs> She didn't even give a fuck. Uh, that bitch no, just flew away. I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping the Yaira book will uh, shed a little light on on her, but I'm kind of guessing. Have, I, yeah, she's I'll, a bit I'll more of an anti-hero yeah. than uh, we've been led to believe. I'm. I'll give you guys I'm a little curious. tease. I okay. So when I was reading it, I was like, oh, everyone had their huge overreaction to the book. When I was reading it, I don't know if anyone felt 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 the same way I did because I get it. We can all feel it, feel and think different things. I didn't care for her the way other people did. I felt like her introduction was misplaced in the timing frame that we were introduced to Isom. So if I'm following Isom, I was like, okay, uh, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm following this guy. He's cool. Then randomly you have yep. Yaira and Alpha Core. I'm like, okay, that, yeah, that was pretty I, fast. <laughs> I think it's a, I think it's a, I think Isom the comic is more of a good of a, a bit of a starter point for some of the other characters, and they're kind of seeing. Um, which one, you know, which characters they think are going to take off, which right. ones kind of deserve their own uh, stuff. And that's an interesting strategy, and I'm kind of interested to see uh, how it pays off. I definitely Hi, uh, I definitely have my criticisms. Uh, thank you, Victor. Uh, very much appreciate it, man. I'll, talk, I'll catch you on uh, DMs. Uh, I have my criticisms, uh, and mainly that, you know, uh, as far as a storyteller, definitely Eric can uh, work to improve. But the best thing that he needs in order to improve is to keep doing what he's doing, is right, to keep right. writing, keep learning from people who are giving him good faith critiques. And that's why when I give a, a critique or a criticism of ISOM or Alpha Core, and I always kind of try and say, here, here's what I like, here's what can use improvement. I'm coming at it from a place of good faith. Okay, because I understand these are indie projects and indie uh, authors and creators definitely need the space to grow and get better. And if all you're doing 
is screaming at them online, your comic sucks and making that your whole personality, they're going to tune that out and they're not going to listen to the valid criticism, right? When little, little Dickie Molesterson came out and was like, here's my 32 page and it's just a, it's 15 nitpicks per panel. Like that yeah. shit, uh, you're, you've lost the forest through the trees. You know, you can't, uh, if you can't, uh, his, all his, uh, potentially valid criticism was lost amidst this farm of nitpicking that no comic on earth could survive. Also, I'll just say, you don't have to be promoting anything or own anything to come on a show. As long as you have a good, decent mic, you can come on. Just hit me up on, uh, on Twitter. My Twitter name is obviously right. <laughs> down there yeah so if anyone wants to hit me, hit me up on twitter to come on a show i'll do that yeah i'll i'll try and talk to razor fist he he's white he he might be scared of me when i talk what? to him you know he might be running for me you know <laughs> nah he'll be he's fine but like definitely uh, uh yeah. i don't know i don't know how to contact him other than him following you so like oh you gotta just i like, hey i'm black i'm inclusive and i'm diverse that's the easy way for a block actually <laughs> well everyone thank you for coming by it's great to have john on for a second appearance coming to off have him on for a third appearance later on this year he'd be like you know what my kids doing something else again first time okay let's get a beer and talk about it Ugh. speaking of dragon ball apparently there's more dragon ball stuff coming in the next 10 years and we'll talk about, about that next time because tomorrow dragon ball z will be here for like five five tomorrow actually huh see you guys later have a great night everybody Peace.